0: This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and I want to invite you to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to reach out. You can email us ignition at sfcatholic.org, again, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet at us, sfdiocese and use the hashtag Ignition. Again, if you're on Twitter, use the Twitter handle at SF with the hashtag Ignition so that it gets right to us. Uh, again, my name is Chris Bergwald. I am the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls, um, been in that role with the Diocese for 15 years, uh, married, layman, and uh, I hope I'm a layman if I were married, <laughs> uh, my wife, Jermaine, and I have, have five kids, and uh, in the past, typically, um, we, we've had a co-host on Ignition um, in search for a new co-host. Father Andrew Dickinson had been with me for many years, uh, had to step away from the mic uh, at least for for a while, and so we've had some guest co-hosts the last few weeks, but uh, today we're going to be doing an interview uh, with Daniel Tews. Daniel joins me on the phone today from Indiana. How are you, Daniel?
1: Doing great.
0: Good. Uh, So, um, listeners, I'm going to set the stage here for what we're going to be talking about. Um, Why am I talking to an Indianian um, on a South Dakota podcast? Uh, You'll find out. There is a connection to South Dakota that you'll find out as we go. But uh, as we're recording this, we're recording this on November 1st, the Solemnity of All Saints, which is the day after, of course, Halloween. Um, October 31st. And this year, 2017, uh, w- there's a commemoration of the 500th anniversary of a significant event that occurred um, on October 31st. So we're talking about 1517. October 30, 31st to 1517 is when the Augustinian monk uh, Martin Luther uh, posted his 95 theses uh, to the church door in Wittenberg, um, or at least invited a a discussion on those 95 theses. Uh, So there's been relatively... uh, Speaking quite a bit of news uh, certainly in the uh, religious world Christian world but but I'll, I think even in the secular world some some news some recognition of of this, the importance of this event um, for not only Christianity in the Western world but but Western civilization uh, in a more general way we're not going to be addressing the Reformation directly today, though. Um, I invited Daniel on to tell his story, however, because it is relevant to the Reformation, um, as you'll find out. Daniel, uh, as you'll hear here momentarily, was raised uh, in the Lutheran Church, the Missouri Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Um, and I'll invite him to explain a little bit about what that means if you're unfamiliar with with synods in the Lutheran church. Um, But I want to get out of the way a little bit and and just invite you, Daniel, um, before we get into the details of, of, of your life, your autobiography, if you will, um, who are you today? I'm
1: married, also also have five children, and now living in Indiana. Which uh, for your South Dakota listeners, the technical term is a Hoosier. So i from Indiana. That's what they. Uh, oh, that's, that's what we <laughs> call ourselves down here.
0: Sorry about that. Th- All right, never mind.
1: Now, that's probably kind of a little bit of a, a cross-cultural uh, education here. There we
0: that go. Is, I there we go. Great. Um, so you're a Hoosier, married with five children.
1: Correct. Correct. I'm currently a, a, um, an organic farmer. Just have a small. Uh, organic farm, do, uh, do uh, salad mixes and, and vegetables uh, for restaurants and farmer's markets and, uh, and some microgreens. Um. Okay. It's kind of like the veal of vegetables, the baby vegetables. So I, that's what I do uh, for a living now.
0: Okay. Now I have to ask you just real quick because you piqued my curiosity. Um, so we go from South... If you're from South Dakota, you are a South Dakotan. If you are like me from Minnesota, you're a Minnesotan. Um... How how did we go from being from Indiana, you're a Hoosier?
1: Supposedly, they taught us in Indiana history that Hoosier was the Indian word for friend. Um, unfortunately, I know for a fact in St. Louis and many other places, Hoosier means kind of a redneck. And so- <laughs> not always a term of endearment everywhere but Hoosiers are pretty proud of the term themselves so uh, that's a really
0: <laughs> That's great. Okay, that 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 see I did I not only learned that you're actually called Hoosiers even if you don't like basketball but I learned where it comes from. So if nothing else I have learned something on this episode of Ignition. So Daniel, thank you for that. But um I think you have more to offer so beyond any uh the history of the state of Indiana and what you call Indiana natives Tell us, let's go back to the beginning. Um, I mentioned already that you were raised in the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church. Um, just briefly share with us uh, your upbringing as a as Missouri Synod Lutheran.
1: Well, Chris, I think that's a really important place to start all of this, because um, being raised as a Missouri Synod Lutheran was so wonderful for me. I grew up in... So it's amazing parents um, that—it was the Lutheran faith, ultimately, that taught me my love for Jesus Christ. And because of that, no matter what else happens in the story and wherever this interview goes, I I will be eternally grateful um, for what I received from them. Um, My um, ancestors, uh, you know, all my family is a staunch Lutheran family. In fact, uh, Wisconsin, which is very much a Lutheran state— my ancestors built the oldest Lutheran church in the entire state. They came over from Germany in order wow. to practice that faith. So it's um, very much an important part of that. And uh, my dad is still a, a Lutheran teacher um, in another town nearby me in Indiana, and uh, um, and it remains that. And so I went to school in a Lutheran parochial school, um, and then uh, uh, from there uh went to uh, Rose Hallman Is an engineering college in Terre Haute, uh, the town I'm living in now, Um, and uh, went to study chemical engineering. So that was not um, wasn't planning on being a pastor or anything like that. So this Um, is so
0: for for undergrad, you were a chemical engineering major. Correct. Correct. Okay. I want to back up just a little bit, if you don't mind. So you already mentioned the importance of your Lutheran faith, um, it, it, growing up, and 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 your love for Christ. Um, coming out of that, is that just out of curiosity? Is that something um, that where you you were always faithful? Um, was it a steady just growth um, in your Christian faith, uh, being growing up uh, in your parents' home? Uh, was there a note like high school? Did you have a major conversion? Uh, or was it always just sort of there, but a deepening out of curiosity?
1: Um, unfortunately, no. It was a very faithful all the way through, um, you know, junior high. And you know, I think I was getting some of the waffling in high school that many people do. Um, when I went to college, I really kind of dropped off. Um, okay, practiced it, if anything, very minimally. Um, and even, um, was, you know, beginning to, you know, question it, uh, certainly well versed in the scientific world, um, you know, just these type of things, I was kind of falling to that lie that there is, you know, that, that uh, faith and science are at odds with one another and was kind of, you know, leaning more towards the scientific side. Okay. Um, so it, it was not continuous, unfortunately. Um,
0: so is that where, I is that, have, did, you, did you, I sort of interrupted earlier, did you, did you graduate with a degree in chemical engineering or is that what you started in and then you went another way?
1: No, it was. I went for four years at at Rose Hallman for engineering, and it was going to take me a fifth year. And my parents probably wisely pulled the financial plug on me. Um, So I went and joined the Marine Corps in order to um, pay for my last year. Um, So I did uh, signed up for active duty Marine Corps, and I thought if I'm going to be a Marine, I might as well be infantry. Um, That was um, so. That's what I, I went in for. Did my training over in California. Um, and then was stationed out in Camp Lejeune. Um, but this, I was out, uh, deployed at the time when September 11th happened, um, and then my unit was called over um, uh, in early 2003 at the beginning of the Iraq War, and we were the, um, one of the first people to cross the line in um, and were you know, in that very first invasion force. So it was while I was there um, that uh, I got a strong calling that actually I needed to change my path and become a pastor. Now, before that, I had had somewhat of a reversion in my faith. I had started um, attending much more frequently. and um, was kind of doing some um, youth group activity, leading some youth group activities, and things like that. Um, but still, was ne- um, had never had any intention in my whole life of being a pastor. Um, but when I was in Iraq, um, I kind of uh, said it kind of uh, sounds like somebody that has um, survived cancer. Um, mm. While I was there, I saw death first, firsthand, and I uh, realized you know, that could have been me, I suppose, at any given time. And so um, it was really quite a, a life-changing thing. Um, but it was while I was there, I actually heard very strongly a uh, calling that I should be a um, Lutheran minister. Okay, But that was such a strange thing to me. I kind of said, well, God, I kind of need a sign if I'm going to do that. My intent was to go back and... Um, either finish up in chemical engineering or actually at the time, I really loved the Marine Corps. I was going to stay in. Um, but uh, when I got home, uh, the you know first person I talked to was my wife. And uh, and she said, you know, in our first conversation, after being gone for a long time in war, she said, you know, I have this strange feeling that you're supposed to be a pastor. Mm.
0: I thought,
1: well, oh, my goodness, here's, there's my time.
0: Right, right. Um,
1: but I actually called my called home, called my parents. And the first time I had talked to them and I my dad, a very faithful man of prayer, just a wonderful man, um he said, You know, Daniel, I got this feeling you're supposed to be a pastor. Wow. Wow, oh, this is two things. Then I even called my sisters. I've got two younger sisters and uh, the first sister I called, she said the same thing. So this was three things. So I thought, Well, for that that's it. So I um when I I got out uh, within a, within a year I finished my um, four-year commitment, and I, um, I finished up my undergraduate and then attended the seminary in St. Louis.
0: So what year is this, then, that you were, or, or well, ordained? Is that the right word?
1: Ordained, yes. Yeah, I got out of the Marine Corps active duty in 2004, um, and then I uh, started in the seminary in uh, 2006, and then was ordained as a pastor in 2010, um, and they are got to and we are what called called or placed, um, and yeah, called the three different uh, small parishes in South Dakota, um, Gettysburg, uh, Lebanon, and Seneca, South Dakota. So it's north central part of the state, north of Pier, about an hour. okay,
0: okay. So, um, well, let me just interject here. If, if you're just tuning in, um, you listen to ignition. This is a broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. Uh, if you've got questions about what we're discussing today, you can reach us by email ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet at us at, at sfdiocese and use the hashtag ignition. And I'm interviewing Daniel twos, uh, who was raised in the Missouri church, Lutheran synod. Um, and, and we're just, uh, Basically, getting into the initial years of your pastorate, your time as a pastor. So, just to recap, Daniel, if somebody's just tuned in the last couple of minutes, you were raised in a very faithful Lutheran home, um, fairly faithful, <laughs> to use lots of Fs. Um, you're yes, leading yes. up to college, but then sort of fell away, like many of us do, including myself. Um, and it was w- and, and going to the Marine Corps, deployed to Iraq, and it's while you're in Iraq that you uh, have a reversion and then really feel. A, a discern a call to to the seminary, Lutheran seminary, um, and that, that's sort of confirmed by a couple of conversations that you have. You go into seminary, you're ordained, and then you are placed uh, in par- some some Lutheran parishes in um, central, east central, south Dakota. Would that be a fair summary? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so this is your first time as, full-time as a pastor then, right?
1: Correct. We do have one year during the seminary that you are a student pastor, and I uh, served at a church for a year in, in uh, Cincinnati, and then you're part-time, you know, during your studies a lot um, at a church in um, St. Louis, which is where I was going to school. But yes, uh, this is the first time, especially as you know, by myself as a pastor.
0: Okay, so um, now you, so you come to the fair state of South Dakota, uh, and and, and t- pick up the story from there.
1: And I loved it. I loved South Dakota. That was it. Is a beautiful state, and that particular area, Gettysburg, that area is just wonderful. Some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. They are just wonderful, wonderful people, and. Um, I actually didn't even mind the weather. I (laughs) complain more here in Indiana about that heat and humidity, and and like the, you know, I don't mind the cold so much. So loved it, loved it, and actually I loved being a pastor. It was, you know, it you can't necessarily call it a job, but um, it was that vocation was was wonderful. I loved uh, visiting with the people. I loved the way they opened up their homes, and I loved, um, you know sharing the love of Christ with them. I loved going to the hospitals, even being there in difficult times, just actually knowing that I had something to give, and that was that that love of Christ. It's the degree that I was able to do that in the Lutheran Church. It was, it was wonderful. I, I I just loved being a pastor and loved the people there. So it was a very, very good introduction that was such a one into the pastoral ministry for me.
0: So, uh, and... and... Most of our listeners, of course, as you might imagine, Daniel, are Catholic and they may not know a lot about the, the ins and the outs of, of the life of a, uh, in this case, Lutheran pastor that we're talking about. So was this your full-time job? Because sometimes in some churches, um, they'll, they'll have the pastor will be sort of pastor part-time and they have other work as well. Were you a full-time pastor or did you have uh, any other work?
1: No, I was a full time pastor. It was, And I suspected similar to the um, full time priest, except I would, you know, of course, and it's one of the benefits of, you know, the um, unmarried clergy is I did have to balance that, of course, with a wife and uh, at one time three, four, and then five children, okay. uh, and so that was that always was something that would pull both ways. But, okay. um, other than that, I it was you know, similar, I think.
0: Okay. So you're you're serving in in your parishes, your congregations. Uh, you're loving the ministry. What comes next?
1: Well, so what I had done when I first started, and this is just based on what a professor at the seminary had told me, and it's a wonderful idea. It's just, um, I started my first day at the church and opened my Hebrew Bible up to Genesis 1 and Psalm 1, <laughs> started reading in my Greek Bible up to Matthew 1, and I spent actually the first half of my day just in Scripture study, prayer, and uh, studying the Lutheran Church Fathers. So the Book of Concord is our, um, was the Lutheran Church's big document of what everybody has to agree with in order to you know be a Lutheran. I read a lot of Luther's works and his sermons and his writings, and that's what I would spend my mornings doing, and then all my afternoons were spent on all the visits and sermon prep, and... Hospital things
0: and whatnot all the rest of the stuff i would do in the afternoons so, well, um, so ho- 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 just going, going well one um, w- quick question one then, day, daniel daniel let me interject oh, real quick so your mornings you yeah. said you spent with genesis start with genesis 1 psalm 1 and then you said you got out your greek new testament and, and started with matthew chapter 1 did you did i hear that right yes yeah yeah
1: that was that uh, so was just Studying it in the original languages, which is a you know blessing that I was given from you know just my time at the seminary. That's
0: beautiful. So there. Okay, I, that's what I thought you said. I just wanted to confirm that. Okay, so sorry, sorry for the interruption. Go right ahead.
1: No, that's wonderful. This, I mean, I think this is key to my ultimate conversion. Um, but it was it started my path changed in such a weird situation. I was uh, talking on the phone as I often did with a very good friend of mine that I had gone to seminary with. He was a pastor at that time in uh, Minnesota, and uh, he was telling me that his father-in-law—they weren't real close—or not father-in-law. I'm sorry, stepfather. Not real close, but his stepfather had passed away um, back in North Carolina, where he was from. So he went back to go to the funeral. And the day before, he had met with the the other past the pastor that was going to do the, the funeral was um, one of the Baptist denomination pastors, um, and uh, they were talking. And uh, my friend told me that that this pastor had not gone a single day to a seminary. He had had no formal training whatsoever. In fact, he had been a a, uh, postal clerk one day, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him, and uh, that weekend he was in a pulpit preaching. Now, I kind of grew up in a fairly sheltered Lutheran family. I didn't have a lot of exposure to other denominations. um, And uh, to me, this was mind-boggling, because I knew how much I had learned, how much formation that happened for me at the seminary, and um, it changed me tremendously from when I went into when I went out. I couldn't fathom somebody walking in one day and having a church without, you know, any connection to the, you know, even just the original languages, uh, the the tradition, the church history, and admittedly, our church history started with Luther. It didn't really go back all that far, but um, at least there was some connection with what somebody else was doing. And so, to me, this was odd to me that this was just a recipe for disaster to have somebody just you know, walk in without you know any training and they would just be able to do this. And this really kind of made me question, you know, what was what was the role of authority in the Church? You know, how could this possibly happen and anybody think that this was a good idea? Right. Well, I had, um, you know, in my studies, I'd uh, I used this Logos Bible software, it's a great software program. I had tens of thousands of pages of the early Church Fathers on there. And so on my morning study time, I thought, you know, I'm going to go see how this is set up from the very beginning, um, admittedly, because I, in my mind, knew that I would find that it was Lutheran, and uh, I'd start reading the Church Fathers uh, to kind of prove that, hey, you know, these other guys that are trying to do things their own way have it wrong, they need to actually become Lutheran, and, uh, and then we'll, you know, have the church back on its on its right feet again. Um, so I decided to just stop reading the, the Lutheran Church Fathers and just started chronologically um, reading the, the, the Church Fathers. So I began with the, the Didache, which is you know very very early, um, you know, perhaps written before even the New Testament is finished, if not uh, before, it's soon after, right. so at the same time as the Apostles and I uh, started reading that.
0: So you're you're reading the Church Fathers um, because of this this conversation. You have a friend and this pastor who had no formal training and so on. Um, uh, So going back to the very beginning of of the Church's history, if you will, um, and just I know from our conversations, you start to maybe realize you're finding something you didn't expect to find.
1: Absolutely. And it was very early. So... In in the Didache already. Um, It was a great read. I really enjoyed it. It's it's wonderful, written by just very faithful people living the Christian faith very early on. So I I really enjoyed it. But I immediately started recognizing that, you know, this church that I'm reading about here um, would not be recognizable to the church that I was affiliated with. Um, That didn't really strike me all that odd. It was just because it was old. But the one thing that did stand out was that they kept referring to the sacrifice of the mass, mm. even in the Did pay. Now that is a key difference between Lutheran theology and Catholic theology. Right. A Lutheran would never say that. You know, Luther made it very clear that this is simply a a remembrance of that the Catholics actually added this. He said that, that it becomes that this this sacrifice, this you know, representation of what happened. Um, that you know, that first century in 33 AD uh, brought back to every mass in the Catholic Church in all times and all places, and we had that drilled into our heads the seminary, and then the very first people that arguably knew the apostles themselves were talking about the sacrifice of the mass. So from the very beginning, that struck me as odd. Now again, this wasn't enough for me to even you know question what I was doing, um, but I kept me reading. So I went on. I was reading a uh, you know. Um, St. Ignatius and St. Clement and Polycarp and uh, um, uh, all these things, and kept going and through all of them, and really fell in love with uh, St. Augustine, and I was reading him, but one big reason was because Luther was even an Augustinian monk, right? and, uh, um, and so a lot of the things that Protestants will use will be St. Augustine quotes to try to prove different points, but all along as I was going through, and far before I got to St. Augustine, I was realizing more and more that there were um that this didn't look anything like the Lutheran Church, wow. that the early Church was not Lutheran in the least. In fact, what most of those people were talking about and preaching um, would have been considered heresy in a Lutheran Church. And there were times, if, no kidding, I was actually screaming at my computer as I was realizing these things. Wow. And the walls were really falling down. <laughs>
0: So Daniel, we've only got about two and a half minutes left uh, I should have gotten to the the good part sooner that's my fault so what is what happens as you're reading these and, and and move us along the story here then
1: well so it was I was becoming more and more realizing that that the early church wasn't Lutheran even though I had been taught from early on that functionally the early church was Lutheran it was with the Catholics that added stuff you know back in the eighth and ninth century Sure um, and I realized, nope, it was Catholic from day one, unanimously. I mean, talking about the authority of the Pope and the bishops, and if you weren't, you know, if you weren't in submission to them, you, were part, you weren't part of the Church, or you were part of a schismatic group. Um, and so these things were very compelling to me, and because and it was so clear and so unanimous. And I would oh, I recommend to your listeners, all of these things are, you know, one Google search away. Just, right. you know, type in, okay. Right. Hey, they're great reads, they're short, they're, I really enjoy them, um, but so as this thing was, you know, showing me more and more um, some problems with this, I did decide, at least then, that I should at least see what it was that the Catholic Church taught. So I purchased a copy of the Catechism. Um, another thing I realized as I've become Catholic is there's a lot of Catholics that have not read the Catechism. Right. You guys have a treasure here. It's a wonderful book. And what this did for me was then I was able to realize that everything that I thought I knew about the Catholic Church was wrong. I had been taught all right. of those you know, paper tiger stereotypes of the Catholic Church, and when I was actually able to read what it was that the Church teaches, plus see the tremendous amount of Scripture that backed up everything that is taught in there, and not only just Scripture, but also that this was taught kind of at all times and in all places in history by the Fathers and by the Saints, um, it really became, um, became the realization that I was now actually a pastor in a schismatic group and that it was necessary um for me to actually
0: leave so so you did right you 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 resigned your pastorate and and your wife is walking with you in this journey as well you move back to indiana and you go through the rsa process and was it a year and a half ago right the spring of 2016 you were received into the church
1: that is correct that is correct and has been a wonderful, wonderful thing, and just there is a a fullness, uh, richness within the Catholic Church that um, just doesn't exist. I, you know, I had really um, you know, tapped the, the fullness of Lutheran theology and Lutheran spirituality as much as almost could be done. You know, there's always more prayer, there's always more to do. Um, but then I, came to the Catholic Church and realized I was playing in the baby pool the whole time. Huh. The depth and the spirituality and the everything that that is.
0: On this side of it, is absolutely amazing, just amazing. That's beautiful. So, so um, you're now. You mentioned at the beginning. You're an organic farmer, um, living life in Southern Indiana as as a Catholic layman, husband, and father of five children. Yes. Yep. Yep. So we've just got um, about 20 seconds to go, Daniel. Any any final words for, especially for any Catholic listeners who might be out there listening to your story?
1: I, if anything, you know, pray for your separated brothers and sisters. They are brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and they love the Lord and have a high view of Scripture and some great things, but also recognize the treasure that is the Catholic Church. I tell, You know, it, it often takes converts to realize, if you've grown up with it, all the time, sometimes you don't realize it, but the beauty of the mass, the beauty of the history, the truth, the spirituality, all that's available, it is a gift, it is a gift, and I thank God for it every day, and I think if you knew better, you would, you would do it too, if it, it's not something that you are doing, so that's, it's, Great. it's a
0: wonderful journey. Thank you so much, Daniel, thank you for being on the show, and we'll have you back another time. God bless you all, our listeners, and thanks for being with us today. Thanks for listening.